Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, I'm interviewing Stephanie Rosales. She is the director at Granville Avenue Arts and Humanities Cook Art Center. She wears a whole lot of hats, many leadership hats in that organization and in her community. You'll hear her talk about how she found her way to the Cook Art Center, what they do there, and why she feels at home there. I know Stephanie from Girls Rock, which if you know me, you've probably heard me talk about it because I love it. It is a rock and roll camp for girls that my daughter has attended for the past few summers. I just can't even say enough about Girls Rock. It's like a magical universe of empowerment and creativity all run by these goddess musicians and at the end of a single week girls have formed bands written songs made t-shirts with rad logos that they designed recorded a cd and performed on stage and a whole lot more happens in that week the girls have no idea but along the way they pick up confidence and knowledge and kindness and community and awareness and it just happens through like the musical, rainbowy, magical unicorn goddess land that it all is. I mean, it's just so phenomenal. I can't say enough. But I will tell you one more little special nugget. My um, daughter's band name, the first year she was in Girls Rock Grand Rapids, was um, the Sugar Kitties. I'm just gonna leave that there. Group of nine-year-old girls in a band called the sugar kitties that's all that's all i have to say so back to stephanie our interview goes all over the place in so many good directions and i learn things at absolutely every turn stephanie talks about being a latinx leader in west michigan if you don't know what latinx means google it she talks about being tokenized at times and being invited into spaces as a representation for a whole diverse community We talk about immigrant families and the violence that's being perpetrated against them. Um, Also, a quick note about this interview that we recorded it before this latest wave of news came out about separation of families at the border, which is why we don't address that specifically. So just wanted you to know that. I promise you that this episode has tons of information in it about things you likely know absolutely nothing about. And that's the fun part. Listen for Stephanie's favorite things. She absolutely blew my mind. Um, She is someone that we should be listening to. So here is your chance to do just that. I have all the links to all the things we talk about in the show notes. You can find the show notes in the episode on iTunes. Just scroll down and you'll be in those show notes. Or you can find them on my website. So keep sharing the podcast. Keep sharing away. I am constantly surprised and delighted when people stop me and tell me they listen and they've followed along with someone on social media or they read something or they went ahead and learned something 
all because of something they heard on the podcast. And that is exactly why I do this. So thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, here is my interview with Stephanie Rosales. So today on the podcast, I am excited and honored to have Stephanie Rosales. Welcome. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. You're one of the people that are just like, yeah, I'll do that. And I'm always like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Every time. It it, it feels exciting every time. Um, So you are, you have a ton of hats we were just talking about, but um, I know you through Girls Rock Grand Rapids because my daughter has been in Girls Rock now for three years, four years. I don't remember really. Um, and it's been like the one of, I mean, she's 12, so she hasn't had that many pivotal experiences in her life, but I would tell you that it's, it might be the pivotal experience in her life. She, she strongly identifies, I think, with being a part of that and has just like owned her quirky little uniqueness. And I, whenever I tell people about it, I both want to shout it from the rooftops and keep it super secret because I'm like, it's this really cool, special thing that I don't want her people from where we live to know know about. Is that terrible? (laughs) I do tell people about it. I don't keep it a secret, but I'm just like, but she gets to go do this other thing where she can be completely herself yeah I don't know if that makes sense it does it makes perfect sense you're you're not the first parent to say those things from all different areas and schools and and parts of town so it's the most magical thing and I I just can't I gush about it (laughs) because anyways so girls rock is this camp that happens every year for people that don't know what it is uh, that forms girls into a band and they get to do all these cool things all the while like super rad women come alongside them and show them what it's like to be an adult awesome female person like it's oh it's so cool (laughs) anyway so that's one of your hats and then you're a director at the cook art center which you can explain it so give a little bit of your what you do yeah the cook art center is one of the facilities operated by granville avenue arts and humanities which is our umbrella nonprofit. So um, the Cook Art Center and the Cook Library Center are the two facilities, and I run the Cook Art Center. So there we have Girls Rock is one of our programs at the Cook Art Center, and we have a whole bunch of other programs too. So we have after-school arts classes. We have a summer program um, for elementary kids. We have a teen leadership program, um, has a work component, a club private lesson component, a community engagement component. Okay. Um, so we work with teens a lot. And then we also have um, like special programs with the schools. So during the school day, we bring in kids uh, and do like a combination of common core curriculum with arts programming. Okay. So we have four studios there. We have dance, music, ceramics, and visual arts. And so within those four studios, we have a lot of different programming. It's always like I feel like the, like when I talk about um, the dance programming, it helps people understand. We do anything from like ballet to break dance, mm-hmm. and there's Mexican folkloric dance somewhere in there too. Uh-huh. So there's just like <laughs> a wide range of um, arts, really, um, so that kids and families can come in and uh, like really, like you were talking about, girls rock is really 
what we try to do year round for all kids and families just really understand who they are um, explore different parts of their culture and their identity through the arts and then also have adult mentors alongside them saying like hey this is this is um, an opportunity for you this is who you could decide to be later um, mm-hmm. this is what it looks like to be an awesome female musician this is what it looks like to be a dancer this is what it looks like to be someone who's civically engaged in their community mm-hmm. all different kinds of things so um, really we're really focused on uh, the neighborhood and the population that lives over on the southwest side of Grand Rapids and just being present as a community resource and safe space for people so mm-hmm. and talk about that neighborhood because I think um, I am embarrassed to say I grew up here. I really didn't go in that area at all, ever, for any reason. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's awful. But I, I didn't until <laughs> no, we dro- I dropped Vivian off at Girls Rock. I was like, have a good day. Um, so talk a little bit about that space, because I think a lot of people don't know Yeah, the yeah. characteristic of that community. That neighborhood is the only reason I am still in Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, when I moved here, I was like fully prepared to like save money and move to New York or move mm-hmm. to Chicago or a bigger city that had, um, you know, more, more diverse people, more diverse opportunities, um, just uh, spaces where I felt I belonged. Mm-hmm. And specifically, the Roosevelt Park neighborhood, the southwest side of Grand Rapids. Um, is where I feel like I belong Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. It's a very diverse community. Um, It's mostly Latinx and um, black community. Um, But there's also like Dutch people who have lived there for a really long time. And Mm -hmm. there's just like a really really broad range of people. Mm -hmm. And I think what makes it so special, that neighborhood really is so special. It's, Mm -hmm. It's different. You know, a lot of people think it's the hood or it's the barrio, which it kind of is in a way, in its Mm -hmm. own way, but in a way that's not, like, dangerous or bad or what people think. It's really, um, you know, I think what Vivian experiences in Girls Rock Camp is, like, what a lot of people experience all the time of just feeling like, oh, I can be myself here. Yeah. My neighbors accept me for who I am. Um, I am proud of who I am, and even if other people aren't the same as me, they accept that I'm proud of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ranges from, like, you know, very old people who have been there for a long time, elders being respected in the community, to very young people and kids who are having, like, bicultural experiences growing up, mm-hmm. and a lot of biracial experiences, and a lot of, like... Um, just experiencing a lot of different things and forming their identities and everyone in that community is really just like that's awesome be Mm -hmm. yourself like I want to know you for who you are Mm -hmm. and uh it feels different than most of Grand Rapids oh my gosh yes (laughs) absolutely yeah and I think it's it is so special because people there have been really intentional about keeping it that way yep um and really saying like we welcome everyone here mm-hmm. um we're proud of who we are don't try and change who we are mm-hmm. and um have you know some people have the same experience of you from that neighborhood where they feel safe and stay in that neighborhood and don't go into the rest of Grand Rapids yeah. because um it feels really oppressive compared to 
you know, the safety bubble, the safety net yep. uh, over there. So it's um it's a it's a special place and the mm-hmm. Cook Art Center is about I'm gonna get it wrong. My math was like seventeen years. This this summer will be the seventeen year anniversary. It's twenty eighteen, two thousand one. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. seventeen years. Um so the building is fairly new. Um and the library was built um the library started after or the library the new library was built but the original library started before the art center was there mm-hmm. um and even the art center itself sprung up from people who were living and working in the community and they were like we need a place to celebrate art and we need a place to explore our culture and we need a place to do this and so it was really um you know things start from the bottom up there yeah and then they just kind of stay there and um I think Girls Rock is a good example. It's just, you know. Yeah. And I think that's why uh, I feel so at home there. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm the kind of person who's like, I have this crazy idea. Let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And people around <laughs> you are right? like, okay, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that sounds cool. Why not? Sounds like a lot of work, but we right. work hard. <laughs> right. But, yes. uh, there's also that kind of feeling of everyone just works so hard mm-hmm. to, to achieve their goals and, and their dreams and everyone kind of has that sense of like I have dreams and I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna reach them I'm gonna get there mm-hmm. so how did you find that or the, find this as your work are you from Grand Rapids or did you grow up no. there or are you no no moved, at all. you chose to move here from somewhere else <laughs> I'm glad you found your little yeah. niche because this can be a challenging I, uh... place I actually graduated from high school in Elma, Michigan. Oh, yeah. And then I went to Hope College okay. uh, on scholarship. And when I was in Hope College, I was like, oh, this is what West Michigan is like. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Which is really funny because I, uh, you know, Elma has a similar, like, demographic if you look at it, like, racially and with income, level, socioeconomic. And, like, um, so I kind of felt like, yeah, it's going to be really similar culturally. I'm going to fit right in. I'm going to understand how things work. And when I got there, I was just like, I'm on another planet. <laughs> this is so different than anything I've ever known. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was hard. And I was planning, actually, to to move away to a bigger city when I graduated. But um, coincidentally, the universe kept me here by giving me knee surgery uh, right oh, after I graduated, like, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I tore my meniscus and my ACL, and so I couldn't walk, and so I couldn't move away. Oh. And Turn I was that like, universe, no! right? <laughs> I'm stuck here in West like, Michigan. I literally can't move. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> so at the time, it was very, it was devastating. Um, and my sister moved to, to live with me so that I could kind of, like, recover and uh, get back on my feet, literally and metaphorically. Uh, and then, you know, I had to... Oh. He's, he's in every podcast. No worries. <laughs> and that was our friend Charlie. Yep. <laughs> Barking at nothing. Mm-hmm. The sound's outside. Mm-hmm. A branch broke. Who is it? <laughs> right. We're being attacked. <laughs> Um, Your sister moved in with you. Yeah, my sister moved in, and um, I had to spend a lot of money on my knee surgery, so Mm -hmm. I was not in a place where I was like, okay, now I'm going to move away. 
So, yeah, I was like, well, Grand Rapids is better than Holland, so mm-hmm. I'm going to at least move there uh-huh. because that's doable and I'll still be close to my family. So we moved to Grand Rapids in 2007 and I I have an art degree, mm-hmm. um, art and communications. And so I was like, oh, there's like a growing arts community here. And I actually just started working as a studio artist on, on commission mm-hmm. and that was going really great. And I was like paying my rent, but it was the loneliest thing I had ever experienced. Like post-college, all yeah. my studio mates were not there. Right. You know, I was just alone in my studio painting all the time. And I was so lonely and miserable. And I was like, I gotta find a job that interacts with the community. Mm-hmm. I gotta like be around other people and families. Um, so I started working in after school programming. Okay. A friend, I just had a friend who worked in a school and they were like, we have an after school program. They do art stuff, you might like it. It was mm-hmm. just this kind of random, like maybe you should try that. And I was like, okay. Uh, and so I started working in GRPS's loop program. Okay. And I was just like, Oh, I love this. People. <laughs> yeah, there's people and, um, you know, community that I just felt like I really related to. And so uh, I started working in the loop program at Cesar Chavez mm-hmm. and Southwest Community Campus over in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, that that kind of got me plugged into that community, just working in the schools. And I've been working over in that neighborhood ever since. Mm-hmm. So, well, you do a phenomenal kind of job. Story. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, we did not plan to talk about this, and it might go sideways, but I'm just going to ask because I'm mm-hmm. super curious. So, what is that community? What is the climate, temperature, emotion of that community in light of um, immigration status being a really scary thing and people being deported and threatened to be deported all the time? What is it like to live in that? It's, you know, there's, it depends on who you talk to. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a really different feeling about it. Um, Many people from the moment they came here knew there was some element of risk. Mm -hmm. And um, say, you know, when we talk about it, um, they're like, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. And until then, I'm going to live my best life and mm-hmm. keep working hard and do what I can for my kids because that's why I'm here, to just live my best life. Mm-hmm. And um, others are angry mm-hmm. and scared. I mean, I think even I'm scared, and I don't... I have the privilege of being born here and the privilege of education and... Even with all of my privilege, I still have this sense of, like, helplessness. And um, just there's such a serious power dynamic with, um, you know, police, Mm -hmm. ICE. Um, the The political climate is obviously tense and terrible, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's almost kind of given everyone this sense of, um, recognizing that we still have a long way to go Mm -hmm. and that we have a lot that's worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. And so there is also a new sense of camaraderie, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. and people who, um, you know, I see people working together and reaching out more than ever now. Yeah. Um, 
which has been really like exciting and empowering at the same time because you know I think people are saying this a lot like oh the Obama years everybody got you know pacified and um but one thing that I don't think people know is that during Obama years immigration was also uh worse than any other presidency uh the Obama administration deported more people than any other administration Mm -hmm. there were serious crackdowns and so um what's happening now around immigration i think is become more public in uh just the general eye and in like white communities and black communities and other communities who aren't necessarily as close to immigration issues yeah but um i remember even in my first year there um, which was in like 2008 Uh uh there was this huge, you know, there was DACA start stuff started happening and people yep. were starting to uh, ask questions around that. And because because DACA passed when it did, everyone kind of thought, oh, things are great for immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a it was such a small slice of what was really happening. And I knew people who were, you know, taking their kids to the hospital and getting pulled over by ICE and getting, you know, thrown mm-hmm. in uh, detention centers. So it was really, um, as far as that stuff, it hasn't shifted too much other than becoming, other people becoming really aware of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, th- I think it's just uh, something that, I-, I wouldn't say that everyone accepts because it's unacceptable in that yeah. sense. But everyone just knows that it's a part of of life and and kind of keeps doing the best they can yeah and then when really like egregious terrible things happen like i'm sure you well i don't know if you did see like when ice kicked in the door there's a picture of the broken door going around the internet things like that Mm -hmm. i think those are the times when you know more fear Mm -hmm. It, it like the internet has this way of allowing fear into people's hearts and oh minds gosh, so quickly. That's for sure. Um, so people see the kick, the picture of the kick down door, mm-hmm. and then everyone's like, "I'm not gonna leave." Yeah. But even if I don't leave, I could still have someone kick down my door. Right. And it just c- kind of creates a tension and a fear. But I think pretty quickly, you know, there's networks of people who. Um, immediately when that person's door got kicked in, you know, we're all Mm -hmm. hearing about like, okay, let's help her make sure her kids are safe. Let's help make sure she's safe. Mm -hmm. Let's find someone to replace the door so that their family and all of their, their home can stay safe throughout the night. Yeah. And so seeing everyone's kind of like quick response as a network and as a community is also pretty, it, it makes me feel more hopeful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that it's kind of like, well, all you can do is make sure you vote. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, gather when people say, let's gather, uh, help when you're called on and do the be- do the best you can to pay attention to what's happening in the world yeah. around you. Well, and I, I mean, it's, thank you for talking about it because I know it's, you know, not that easiest and it's certainly not a simple it's not an easy answer there's no yeah. one emotion tied to it or one type right. of person and it, it um 
you know, it just reminds me that, of course, it's like, it's, it's not, it's, it has never gone away. It's mm-hmm. always been a problem. It's like police brutality or anything. Yeah. It has been going on yeah. forever. It's a deep and it's part of our history. Yeah. Feels like it rises and falls for people, people that aren't living it every day, mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, it's going on all the time. Um, so yeah, the, the stress level may go up or down. The ease with which someone deals with it might go up or down, but it's a ever present thing that a, a mm-hmm. community member. Um, probably just is like you said in the back of their minds all the time yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, talk a little bit about your so you're a visual artist mm-hmm. and you have a band yeah yeah called how to band. live together yeah and I do great. I do make my own art it's funny because I spend most of my time in like the public eye or in the community like helping other people like uh, produce their own art or produce their own music or, mm-hmm. you know, build and keep community around those things. But um, my band is a, a synth pop duo mm-hmm. called How to Live Together, and it's myself and my partner, Jesse. And I just love synthesizers. Mm-hmm. Earlier you said, like, oh, what are some of the, your favorite things right now? Uh-huh. And, like, immediately I was like, ooh, am I going to get to talk about synthesizers? Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just be like, uh-huh, yes, I know nothing about these, but tell me. That, yeah, that's usually how it goes. Because it's, <laughs> it's, People look at you blankly yeah, like, oh, it's such a, a specific thing, and it's, uh, it's not something that's easily accessible. Mm-hmm. So synthesizers are just really expensive, and they're really weird, and yeah. they're not like when you watch someone using a synthesizer, usually you're like, I have no idea what's happening. What's making the sound right now? Yes. And there are just so many kinds of synthesizers, like anything from like a drum machine to like a modular uh, rig, which I don't know if you know what that is either. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. Because yeah. I'll be real honest, I don't, if you said synthesizer and mm-hmm. you put a bunch of things out on a table, I'd be like, I don't know which one is a synthesizer. Is that like yeah. an umbrella term for something that synthesizes sound? Yes. <laughs> you do Look know what one. a synthesizer is. Look at me using the words. <laughs> yes, it's typically, it's an umbrella term for um, anything that produces sound with uh, with some sort of component of electricity okay. and um, uh, an oscillator of some form. So okay. oscillators, analog oscillators are like the original synthesizers so it's something oscillators are pretty much something that just like creates a waveform like a vibration Mm -hmm. and using electricity so it powers on somehow with like a battery or you plug it in and then the oscillator vibrates Mm -hmm. and makes a waveform and then manipulating those waveforms is how synths make all kinds of sounds and that's like the art of it yes okay yeah got it So now, you know, in the days of 2018, you can digitally, there are so many different things. And so there's like what's called DAW, which is digital um, workstations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I forget, like it's digital. I can't remember what the A stands for in that. Just DAW. It's Mm -hmm. like software. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's all kinds of things that to like a lot of digital synthesizers kind of mimic the analog sounds 
of the past and analogs synths are still made all the time so okay um what a modular synthesizer is mm -hmm. <laughs> and with so, you uh, a modular one is kind of how synthesizers got started where you've probably seen pictures of them before of like you know in the 1960s and 70s like s people standing next to like a big square thing with a bunch of cables like mm -hmm. in and out um and like people move around the cables and then the sound changes okay yes that's what a modular synthesizer is so what they had was an oscillator mm -hmm. and then all of the the cables and stuff are different filters so it sends the sound the signal uh into another filter so when you send the patch cable into another patch mm -hmm. um it's like a, a new kind of filter or a new kind of it connects to a second oscillator and then joins sound or mm -hmm. like um that's a like an, a simplified way of just kind of explaining what a modular synthesizer is mm -hmm. so the older ones were like huge and it was like the original synths mm -hmm. and so then now of course they're like compact and you can make smaller rigs out of modules mm -hmm. that are different like filters or produce different kinds of waveforms or produce different kinds of ways for your oscillators to interact with filters and ways of making it sound different now were you a musician before was there a time before you got into synthesizers that you were a musician in some other way? That's a good question. I actually didn't start playing music until I was like 24 years old. Okay. So like 10 years ago. And I was not classically trained on any mm -hmm. instrument or anything like that. Which honestly is part of the reason what led me to start Girls Rock. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because when I was in college, I was really... I've always loved music and mm -hmm. I've always then like oh man that'd be so cool if I was a musician mm -hmm. but I never really felt like I could afford it or like I knew how or like I just anytime I started thinking that way I would be around other people who were musicians who were usually men yeah and I just felt stupid asking questions and mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing and even a few times where I'd pick up an instrument and try I would get laughed at or mm -hmm. I, I would just, you know, feel so insecure and so self-conscious about not knowing what I was doing mm -hmm. um, that I just was just like, oh, I'm obviously not a musician. Mm -hmm. And then I took a guitar class in college <laughs> mm -hmm. and I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. And my instructor was like my professor. He was like, oh, you should pursue guitar as like a career. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, no I, I, I really don't think so. Um, but he was just like, you have so much promise. You have natural rhythm. And so it was the first time I was like, oh, maybe I could if I just have someone teaching me. Yeah. Um, but also it's really expensive to take a guitar course at a yes. college. Um, and so after that, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I, maybe this is something I could do. And But I, um, it was a classical guitar class too. So it was really mm -hmm. a specific thing. Um, Does that mean acoustic? Yeah, okay. acoustic, there are two types of acoustic okay. guitar. There's a classical guitar, which has nylon strings, mm -hmm. and then there's like a regular acoustic steel stringed guitar, okay. which is more of like, um, you know, you strum chords and it's less like, less classical approaches, you know, like campfire songs and that mm -hmm. kind of thing, or like, you know, country and rock songs. Got it, okay. Yeah, and classical music is a lot of finger picking. Okay. And the the strings are further apart on the fretboard and everything, so that there's more space to learning yeah. all sorts of things. Yeah. Today. 
<laughs> so, um, I forgot where I was at with that. So you were playing guitar, and he was like, "You're amazing. You should do this forever." And I was like, "Well, I can't and it was just because I could to like, do that for release or something." And he was like, "Wow, you're gifted. You should go into this." And I was like, "I'm playing like 101 stuff here." <laughs> I'm going to have to literally dedicate hours and hours of my life, probably forever, in order to even get to a place where I'm like, yes, you can hire me. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Feels like a long path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when I moved to Grand Rapids, I met other musicians, and I did not definitely did not identify as a musician at that point. Um, and it was just thanks to a couple of friends who I was like, I'm really interested in this. And they were like, yeah, you should just do it. And then I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what I'm doing. And they were like, so what? Just try it. Right. And then I was like, I love that. Okay, okay, yeah, like I, I'm going to try it. And then uh, I started a band um, back in like 2009. Um, that was the first band I was in. Um, it was called Bang Crush. And it was, I was just kind of like exploring music for the first time and mm-hmm. starting to get into synthesizers because I was starting to pay, like once I started messing around with instruments and playing, I've always gone to live shows like all the time. I mm-hmm. love live music. And then I started paying really close attention to what people were doing. And I was like, how are they making that sound? What are they doing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, that those first kind of realizations like, oh, they're using like seven different pedals on their guitar board. And that's how they get it to sound like mm-hmm. different ways. And just kind of like stuff that now I'm like, well, yeah, of course. But if you're not a musician and you're not paying attention, you would have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I always felt stupid not knowing, like, oh, that's how. Right. Um, but then afterwards, I was like, why would I have noticed? I right. wasn't a musician. No one ever told me. Yes. I never knew how it worked. And so just those, like, times when I was really learning and starting to put those pieces together and feeling, uh, I guess, more empowered and, you know, knowledgeable, um, then I was like, okay, what I really like is electro, like electronic music and mm-hmm. pop music and like this indie electro stuff. How do they? How do people make those sounds? Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at synthesizers and I was like, "Whoa, this is amazing! <laughs> That's so fun!" Yes, yeah. So I really taught myself how to do all of that stuff. And like, the thing about synths is you have to really, um, you have to really be okay with. Um, getting getting something new and then spending an hour reading a manual. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can see that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and even even like famous musicians and people who do that for a living, especially with synthesizers, each one is so different from the next mm-hmm. and the interface and how you use it and what it does and what kinds of sounds it can produce and how you pr- program a sequence and all of that stuff is so different from each one. You have mm-hmm. to really spend time learning and exploring it and mm-hmm. like uh saying things like you know I have no idea how to do that but I'm willing to learn mm-hmm. and so I think that for me is like what uh really pushed me into wanting to like share it with other people and say like hey it's okay if you don't know you just have to take time to learn if you mm-hmm. really want to learn and we started kind of having these um these just conversations about like I'd meet someone else who had a synthesizer that I had never seen before mm-hmm. or heard of, and I was just like, hey, can I come check it out? Mm-hmm. Um, or can I just play it? Or will you tell me what you like about it, what you don't like about mm-hmm. it? And um, then I started collecting them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you it's, have like a whole... a very expensive hobby. <laughs> right? <laughs> do you have a whole room or several rooms 
in your place where you yeah. live. Yes, our master bedroom is actually a music room. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. It's just taken over. Yeah. I yeah, love it. Yeah. And then um, when I started dating my partner now, um, he actually was a guitar player. Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, we should play music together. And we started playing and he was playing guitar and mm-hmm. I was playing synths and slowly he was kind of like, wow, you can do that. Wow. what is-? Uh-huh. And then he was like, whoa, <laughs> and hasn't played his guitar in like two years oh, now. That's because, so fun. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. Um, once you really, you know, once you really get into it and you understand how it works, the possibilities are just endless. And there's, like I said, from drum machines and we have like Nintendos mm-hmm. and you know, analog rigs with modules. There's just like so many different sounds you can do in so many different ways. It's just really, mm-hmm. it's really fun. Very cool. Yeah. Yesterday when we, we played on the WICE mm-hmm. um, live lunch thing and the other musician we played with uh, was singer songwriter guy and he was playing some percussion with his feet and uh, playing a guitar. And afterwards he was like, oh, you guys are multitasking musicians like me. And I was like, multitasking musician? He said, yeah, it's like, it's this new term. And usually, he's like, it's a new term for one-man band. Because it's like, trying to get away from that, like, patriarchal, like, you gotta be a man, and like, this whole Uh thing. And it's just really, um, he said there's a community of people who are trying to, like, promote musicians who do multiple things at once to to create their sound. How interesting. And so he was like looking at what we were doing and like pushing because we like push a lot of buttons and play keys and do like all kinds of things. You know? Yeah. It's a lot of buttons and levers and other things. And he was just like, yeah, you should come to the multitasking musician meeting. And I was like, this is a new thing. I've never been called this before. I don't know what it is. I love it. I know. I love that there's a whole meeting. That there's yeah. multiple people. I love it. Yes. Yes, that was, oh. my, that was my feeling. And what you said about, like, do you, I'm assuming you now identify as a musician. Yeah, like yeah. Like, you would say <laughs> that I'm a musician. But I think that's so cool when you, like, you're like, I'm not really sure if I am yet, but mm-hmm. I'm learning and whatever, and kind of putting that on as an identity. I think just the cool things happen. When yeah. you're That's, like, not seeing it as an end. Um. I mean, I kind of feel the same way about podcasting. Like, I have not said for a long time that I am a podcaster because that uh-huh. feels like like I'm on NPR or something. <laughs> like, I have a million people listening, which I do not. Um, but I finally have recently, like, said, like, I am also, I'm a social worker and a podcaster. And I'm like, ha, look at me. Because yeah. it just makes you want to do it more. It makes you want to learn more. It makes you want to, like, live into that word. It does. Yeah. And maybe it'll be the same with multitasking music. <laughs> I'm a multitasking musician. I love it. I, I mean, I owned that identity immediately. When I said that, I was like, yes, I do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to get a t-shirt. It's done. It's on the resume. Yes. <laughs> That's a really good idea, actually. T-shirts. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Yeah. I won't steal it. I for, for sure think it needs to be on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Multitasking musician society. Ooh. I hope they're a society. I do have to learn more. I mean, mm-hmm. I friended him on Facebook, and he was like, I'll tell you more. Yeah. I yeah. bet they're super friendly. Yeah. Very welcoming. Well, he did also very specifically say, um, 
we need more people like you guys. And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, well, it's just a bunch of white men with beards and stuff. And they all play guitar. And we just need, like, more diverse group of, like, genre and also people. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, don't tokenize me. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be your type of people. No. His, Maybe he his, meant, um, no, he meant I, all the things. Younger. Yeah, I just have a, a harsh like screen for that but he, well, his, yeah. his invitation was very genuine and he was just excited to see you know other people doing something that was mm-hmm. within this idea of multitasking musician and yes. he was like I think for for him anyway it was more of like I told them there are other people who do this <laughs> and they don't believe me it was, Look, it was that kind of thing yes. it was like yeah we don't all have to play guitar we don't all have to you know, be old white dudes with beards. Right. <laughs> it, w- it was more of that, and I was like, you're yes. right. Yep. Also, I don't know if I'd like your meeting, but I'm I'm interested in this concept. I, I was just going <laughs> to say, I'm going to need you to go to that meeting <laughs> yeah. and then report back <laughs> on how that went down. Because I'm super interested in everything. Where they hold the meeting, what happens at a meeting? I, I want. think they like play music at the meeting. I don't know. I mean, I would hope. No, even talking about it more right? with you now, I'm curious <laughs> more. Like, I'm sorry. Is it in like someone's garage? Is it at a coffee shop? What happens? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm. I'm intrigued. I am too. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was more excited about the term than the actual meeting. Yeah. And now I'm like, wait, yeah, what wait. is this? <laughs> I think the meeting might just be a good story afterward, and the term, we need to keep it, Mm -hmm, for sure. Not we, you need to keep it. I am clearly not a (laughs) multitasking musician of any stripe. Um, All right, so we talked about one favorite thing. Do you have other favorite things that you thought about, or is it really all wrapped up in synthesizers? I mean, um, one of my other favorite things is contemporary art. And contemporary artists mm-hmm. and lately I've just been um, really I would say I don't have a ton of time mm-hmm. to like look out look at new artists and like do a lot of research and mm-hmm. you know I'm the kind of person who rabbit holes pretty quickly when I'm like oh look at them oh they're showing at this gallery with this artist oh look at them oh yeah. this you know <laughs> and then it's just like suddenly three hours later I've just like glazed over and I'm like I don't remember anything I just saw I just loved it all <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I've really been loving uh, like the the PBS series, the Art Twenty One. I don't know if you I have not. I'm about to write it down though. It's just this really great uh, series that they've been doing for I don't know since like probably 2000. Oh, where they it's an ongoing series. I might be exaggerating how long they've been doing it, but. I want to say probably for some 20 years maybe. Uh, but they they pick contemporary artists and then they go into their studios and talk about their work and very cool. You know, talk about how they got to be where they are and so I remember the first time I saw it it was like back in college and it was like James Terrell and some of these like artists who were, you know, doing just like really weird things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when I first saw it I was like, "Whoa, this is interesting." And I just kind of revisited the series recently because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have time to pay attention to what's happening in the contemporary art world. And R21 just, like, 
I was watching it again and I was like, oh my gosh, I love contemporary art and it's just really cool. I, I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. Awesome. Um, Do you have a favorite contemporary art museum space? Something like that? Oh man, that's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> there are so many that I haven't been to and mm-hmm. that I watch from afar, but honestly, just going to New York City and being like immersed in the art world is... Mm-hmm one of my favorite things to do. Mm -hmm. I haven't been in a while, but I say a while, but it was like a year ago. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the gallery and the best shows are always like in the small galleries that, you know, you get randomly invited to and then you're like, whoa, this is best kept secret kind of place. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I... That's okay, New York City. Yeah, go to New New York and look around, (laughs) but not in Times Square and not at like the top of the Sears, or not Sears Tower, that's in Chicago, the Empire State Building, Mm -hmm. like you're not going to see great art there, you're just going to see advertisements and consumerism, but you have to like go to like galleries and, you know, NYU and Mm -hmm. the like colleges and, you know, even go over to Jersey and go to, um, what's the name of the college there? I'm totally blanking on that on the name of that one too. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Hang on. I have no help to you. Oh. I'll think of it later and I'll be like, oh that's yeah. what it's called. I'll come to you. <laughs> Newark. Oh, yeah. The it's the college in Newark. I don't know. It will come to you. Yeah, well. Anyways. As far as, like, easy to tap into, I know it's not as easy to just, like, be like, yeah, I'm going to New York to check right. out some art. <laughs> I'd say um, Art 21. And honestly, the UICA recently has been having some just great shows. I don't know if you mm-hmm. ever go there. Mm-hmm. And the, they're always showing great film in the in their little theater. Um, that always surprises me when I talk to local people that don't know what the UICA is, stands for, what it has, whatever. And I'm mm-hmm. like... It's literally in the middle of the city. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the main intersection of downtown. It's right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just makes me me chuckle. But I agree. They have some very cool stuff. We don't get there often enough, but... Yeah, they have... um, Actually, I think there's a picture of you and your daughter on their website. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes, there is. Now that I say that. Yes. Yeah, because they had some rad... Oh, Kelly Allen. I don't know if you know her. She's a local artist. Yeah. So she... I knew her because she used to have, um, like, that store that Mm -hmm. sold art supplies and, like, things to make things. And it was, like, Vivian's mothership. And (laughs) we would go there all the time and just buy just randomness. Um, And then it closed down and we went through a grieving period. But, um... She was having, when she had her exhibition at UICA, we went and they were having like a family make something out of stuff mm-hmm. time. So, yeah, and then they took her picture and put it up on the website. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, here we are. <laughs> yes. I, mean, I, I can't remember. I was going to the website to look at like <laughs> the new, there's a new uh, photography exhibit going up. Mm-hmm. This was like last week I was on the website and I was just like, oh, I know them. <laughs> Good to know it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> Because that was a minute ago. I mean, Vivian's a little peanut in that picture. Yeah, yeah it's really cute. Yes. Um, anything else you're loving? 
before we leave that subject. Um, hmm. I didn't like think of anything else. I mean, that's I, okay. I love a lot of things, but I think that's just kind of my state of being. I'm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just one of those cheesy people who's grateful to be alive kind of thing. Like, oh, I just love spring. Right. I, I love the smell of fresh cut grass. Yeah. You know, I love Game of Thrones. You know, I just... All of it. Ah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Little things, contemporary art, the world, all of it. And everything. Yeah. Yes. No, I don't think that's cheesy at all. But yeah. makes you able to do the work you do, I think, yeah. probably. <laughs> um, we talked... This is sort of woven into stuff we've already mentioned, but what is a place or a type of place that makes you feel seen, heard in a genuine kind of way? Where do you feel the most yourself? I like that question a lot. Um, I think... For me, the specific answer is less about a physical space and mm-hmm. more about um, the people around me who I know accept me for who I am mm-hmm. and appreciate the things I'm doing or are openly critical and honest with me about the things I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know last night, you know, we had our event at the at the Pyramid Scheme for Girls Rock and it's in those spaces that uh, I feel the most myself where Mm -hmm. um, kids are there and they're looking up to adults who are saying you can be whoever you want to be and adults are there looking at each other saying hey you can also be whoever you want to be even if you change your mind about that at any phase in life and I respect you for who you are and you know, last night was also really special because um, the group who puts on that event is honoring their friend who passed away. And I just can't help every time I'm with that group of people just thinking, wow, it's so amazing that um, they cared so much about this other person in their lives mm-hmm. to continue having this conversation and, and creating these spaces where everyone supported and welcomed in his memory. And I just think, well... When I die, that would be so cool to have my friends do something like that. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. who knows, maybe I'll be 90 and my friends will also be 90 and not have the capacity to do things like that. (laughs) I mean, I hope I don't die young, but you know. Um, Yeah, and I I think, too, um, really specifically in, in that sense, it's really, we kind of talked earlier about, like, I I made kind of a joke saying, like, don't tokenize me, but... Mm -hmm. I think so often um, people, especially nowadays, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, we, wanna, we want our spaces to be diverse and we want to include you and we want to um, have you here. Um, and that is good and that is mm-hmm. healthy. But I think at the same time, what I, I think people miss is that the you in that is so many yous. Yes. It's so many different things. And so um, often I get invited into spaces because they are like trying to be more more diverse or get that feeling of like, how can we do better? And in the meantime, they totally uh, glaze over 
who I actually am as a person. The mm-hmm. fact that I'm a musician, the fact that I'm a total nerd, mm-hmm. the fact that <laughs> I love working with kids, the fact that um, I have, um, you know, my own story and my own life and the, my own worries and favorite things. Yep. Um, and are just trying to get to that idea of like, well, you look different than me. You yeah. seem different than me. You are different than me. Um, and don't spend the time to find out actually why. Right. <laughs> right. Why we're so different. Um, and at the same time too, that, that, um, I always feel more welcome and seen in spaces where power dynamics are acknowledged and history of power is acknowledged, um, and where privilege is acknowledged Mm -hmm. and history of privilege and how it's impacted all of us for better or for worse Mm -hmm. is acknowledged. Um, and you know, it, in those spaces, it reminds me of my own privileges as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for that, it's, you know, everyone also is like, oh, everything's, everyone's trying to be so PC these days and we can't just say what we really mean. But I think in Grand Rapids, it's like almost the opposite. No one actually wants to say what they really mean. Or, no. or what they really are thinking or feeling. And it's more about wanting to um, to look and feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you're yeah. doing it right. And that everyone is welcome. And for me, I'd rather just know up front, like, yes. whether, like, why you want me there or what's yep. happening or why, what the, what the bottom line is. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because they don't want messy or complicated you to right. show up. And I could see, and correct me if I'm wrong, organizations or people inviting you into their space as a representation of that whole specific neighborhood. Oh, yes. Yep. That you like, as if you carry it on your shoulders mm-hmm. or in a backpack, and you can just bring that solitary mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. because it's clearly just one thing and you can just bring it with you into a room (laughs) um, because you are a public person within that community um, and yeah so I could Mm -hmm. see that happening a lot like can you just come in and bring everything with you yeah yeah (laughs) yes that happens a lot (laughs) and then I tattooed a machete on my arm and said no (laughs) no no Boundaries in yeah. a tattoo. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good summation of, of that. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose it's... I don't know if you've always had good boundaries or ability to say no, but... Like, no, I have not. And, um, you know, I think identities are complicated. Yeah. And even today, I'm still figuring out parts of who I am and exploring that and... Uh, understanding how important it is to have boundaries and why specifically for you know for me in this time was um a real moment of like clarity Mm -hmm. and I would say not until the time I this was really around the same time when I had that like realization of my own personal needs and 
you know, that Audre Lorde quote of, like, self-care and preservation is, (laughs) like, one of the most important ways to resist and and fight. And I was like, wow, I need to uh, take better care of myself. Yes. Um, I, it was also around the time where I had a a friend pass away. Um, You know, she was my age, Mm -hmm. um, a Latino woman who um, I'm still convinced that she just died from being stressed out. Like her heart, Uh. um, you know, she had heart issues and her doctors didn't believe her, didn't listen and she died in her sleep, and it was just this moment where I was like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. that could be me. Yeah. That could be any one of us who are on the front lines. You're a social worker. You you know how it is. It's like there's a lot of stress. And, um, and now, too, there's all these studies coming out, too, around, like, black, why do black moms die and why yeah. what's happening? And there's this real minority stress that happens for people of color and women, specifically women of color, trans people, LGBTQ communities, um, because that stress affects how how we live day to day and affects yeah. our being. And it wasn't until, like, literally my friends started dying that I was like, whoa, yeah, I need to this is set thing. boundaries. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I think, too, people that live with that baseline stress that's just relentless and constant, mm-hmm. um, it's like chronic illness. You don't acknowledge it until mm-hmm. there's a crisis mm-hmm. um, because it's just how it's always been. Yep. And yeah. um, I think I have enough privilege. Yes, I'm a social worker, but I work at, like, the world's easiest social work job in the universe. Um, <laughs> and I have a lot of privilege. So I don't feel like I personally live with it, but I do see it in... Um, people that I interact with, which are sometimes people with chronic illness, and they'll, um, I work in the world of transplants, so they'll get a transplant, and they'll be like, oh my god, I had no idea how tired or debilitated I was until I actually had a functioning kidney. And it's kind of the, I mean, not to be like super metaphorical, but like, I think that's the same thing. Until you have like a a community where you feel seen and heard, where you can let off some of that steam and you're const- not constantly being asked by white people to tell them what it's like to be a minority. Mm-hmm. Like, when you have a space where you can just be you and not deal with mm-hmm. all that other stuff, you just don't know how tired and mm-hmm. um, debilitated it has made you. So I'm glad you have a machete on your arm. Yeah. <laughs> and that you've said no, hopefully, a lot. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And, you know, I think yes too, to the right things. this is like, um, I like telling why I got this tattoo because um, it's also like, you know, used in agriculture mm-hmm. a lot to, you know, reap harvest and really like take care of yourself and your family mm-hmm. and it's used to clear paths mm-hmm. to like move forward and make progress and like understand what's happening around you so you can like see mm-hmm. you know kind of more of like a moving forward open up open up the space kind of thing and then also like defend yourself and mm-hmm. kill your enemies and yes you know say no <laughs> yes so i, I really it. like it like as a symbol of just like a single tool that kind of encompasses all of these ideas of taking care of yourself and mm-hmm. and your family and knocking them dead yeah <laughs> <laughs> so last question and then mm-hmm. we'll wrap up 
What is a way or ways that people can create more genuine connection, either just one-on-one if that if that's what they want, or within their community, within our community specifically, that seems like not wanting to say what we actually mean? Um, <laughs> what's a way that feels... Um, I mean, I've said genuine a lot, but that's just the word that keeps coming back. Like, feels real mm-hmm. to you that people could explore if they're looking for more connection yeah i think i think the only the only real answer to that that's like you know not disconnected from like reality Mm -hmm. because that question gets asked a lot and people are like i want to do something i want to make a difference yeah i i think the real the real answer is that you have to be willing to look stupid yeah (laughs) Yes. That's like, just, if you really want to know people more, Uh you just have to be okay with being like, I'm dumb. Yeah. I, whatever, I didn't do my research. Right. um, And now I'm asking you something that I could have Googled. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And then take those moments and be like, I'm going to Google it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually going to do that. Yeah, first. actually, I have a computer in my pocket that can answer that question for me. Yes. And then I won't, you know, say something that hurts you or yeah. say something that puts you in a, in a place that makes you uncomfortable. And, and then also there's only so much you can learn from Google, of course. Yeah. Yep. And only so much you, you know, I do feel like there's a specific... There's a a culture right now of learning from Google and not actually knowing yeah. a single person who is experiencing those things mm-hmm. or who, um, you know, who you've actually interacted with. And so people start, like, defending communities of people that they've never met, that they're not a part of. Yep. Uh, and that is problematic for a lot of reasons for sure and i think um being being able to say like you know i don't know and people are always like well i don't know how to have more mexican friends i don't know how to have more friends who are guatemalan like i just don't know i don't know people uh you just really if you really want to you have to go into different spaces you know you have to go to a different part of town you have to try to speak spanish you have to be uncomfortable you know and also you can't just like oh I'm gonna go to a restaurant and make a whole bunch of friends like it doesn't work that way it just takes time you know you have to introduce yourself to people do things you like Mm -hmm. and meet people when you're doing it Mm -hmm. you know um I think it's uh it's a hard thing and I think it's something that everyone wants to do um but there's there's so much opportunity in this city to do it. Yeah. Like even just yesterday, I was amazed at like the diversity of the one hour radio show. Uh-huh. It was like this guy playing, you know, like I said before, he was like playing this acoustic country music about Matthew McConaughey. Uh-huh. And that was <laughs> the multitasking musician. Sure. Yes. Um, and then it was us playing like our synth pop stuff, mm-hmm. um, and in between they had invited um, the the leader of the Asian Pacific Festival that uh, is happening this weekend, mm-hmm. and there's just going to be, 
you know, so much happening downtown. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just such a huge part of our community that uh, celebrates that culture. And he was talking about they're bringing in sumo wrestlers. And mm -hmm. there's going to be this cool opportunity for people to see live sumo and learn more about, like, the traditions and the techniques. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so awesome. And I think it's that that, like, people truly really have to spend time saying, like, oh, instead of just doing what I would normally do, like, go to this cool thing. And yes. it's not even, like, hard or... Like, oh, man, I have to go. It's like, go to a fun festival. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> meet people. Hang around with different people. Yep. Even if you're not, like, trying to actively, you know, broaden your horizons, you can just passively broaden your horizons right. by, yes. like, going into a different space. Yeah. Or, like, you know, seeing an, uh, an art show or going to a, a music event or, or doing something that's new. Yeah. You know, and if you're in a moment where you're like, uh-oh, I don't know what's happening. I feel stupid. Just be like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Stay there. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll probably like, learn okay. something. Yeah. 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 It's just like, I think we kind of hit a point where we're just comfortable and happy and not wanting to like, like push on that at all or not wanting to be like, oh, I'm, I don't want to think about those things. I hear people say that a lot. I'm just like, oh, it's just so hard to think about those things. I don't like thinking about those things. Uh, but like you said, you know, it's part of, some people don't even think about it either, but it's just because it's part of your life. Yeah. And I think too, like, that, um, that idea of like, you don't realize how sick you are until um, you feel better. And mm -hmm. then you're like, oh my gosh, I feel better. I think... What is also the flip side is a lot of people don't realize how sick they are until they feel worse. For sure. Until, until that gets scratched or until they realize something and then they are actually feeling the full, you know, weight of how sick they are in, you know, whether that be like socially, you know, politically, um, or just being disconnected from other human beings, uh, and I think that's kind of, you know, and you don't want to like go there because then you're going to really feel it. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good. For sure. It's hard. And yeah. Um, but until you start acknowledging it, you can't ever get over it, I guess you can say. So, yeah. Yeah. That was all like, ooh, kind of talk. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I think it's 1000% necessary. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's like having lived here. It's embarrassing to say I've lived here all my life and it did not go into the Granville Avenue neighborhood until I dropped my kid off at a camp. Like, that's just the most ridiculous <laughs> thing. But And that's not, like, painful or anything, but it is embarrassing to sit with someone and be like, I never went there because I chose not to. And you have to do keep doing that a million times, and then maybe you'll feel a little teeny bit of the discomfort and struggle that people of color feel all the time. Um, and you know, yeah. like it's, you have to feel uneasy and sad and mm -hmm. angry and all those things. Like we have to move into that or we're not ever gonna move off of square one. Yeah, that's another podcast where we can talk about white right. guilt and white supremacy. <laughs> right, yes. we'll bring it back around, yes. <laughs> And then we'll talk about more favorite things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because although it's hard to believe those two things can exist side by side, yes. you know, you can experience joy and also still acknowledge like pain and history and like all yeah. these things. Yes. Which I think is important to remember. 
Yeah. Well, I'm just, I say this absolutely every time I interview someone, but I just love it. I love you. I think you're so wise and so fantastic and creative and fabulous and wonderful. And (laughs) thank you for creating Girls Rock with lots of other rad women um, and doing all the things that you do. I just couldn't be more grateful for completely selfish reasons. (laughs) It, like, blossomed in your presence. Um, But I'm, yeah, I'm just thrilled that you did this and really grateful that you were willing to chat with me. Yeah, thanks so much for thinking of me. I've never been on a podcast before. But not, now maybe I'm be the last. Be like, oh, I'm a podcastee. Right. <laughs> or what do you call being interviewed on podcasts? What would I be? You're we're the gonna podcaster, be, I'm the podcastee. We're going to call it a podcastee. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to get a shirt that says multitasking musician on the front and podcastee on the back. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> is one of those people that I just never want to stop listening to. I know there is so much wisdom in her words and her experience. She has so much to teach me. Um, Even though it's not her job, she just so eloquently speaks about her life and her individuality and her experiences, and I love it. I left our conversation thinking and processing and then thought about it a lot again after the news reports started coming out about family separation. And I realized that's been happening a long time, Um, but it's just another kind of wave of news that feels new to um, those of us that are not in that particular community or have not been directly affected. Um, But I thought a lot about this interview um, in recent days. I hope you heard what Stephanie said about encouraging people who say they want to help in some way. And she gave specific ideas like vote, gather when people are gathering in support of or in protest of something, get involved when you see a need, and pay attention. The people affected by this violence have no option to look away from it. So those of us who hold privilege or who may not be directly affected shouldn't look away either. It's so hard to face these um, issues of violence, and I struggle with this all the time, but hard things are also necessary things. I need to develop my capacity to look at the suffering and experience it and look at the complexity of the situation so that I can do better. On a different note, I love Stephanie's favorite things. As always, these favorite things surprise the heck out of me. I mean, synthesizers. I loved it. It's so fascinating to hear about someone's really specific hobby that has all these terms and words, and I just love it. You can tell she lights up when she talks about it. Um, And multitasking musicians. I mean, come on, you guys. Um, I love how she loves modern art and reminded me that I need to get back to the UICA um, and the story and reasoning behind her machete tattoo. Love it. People are so cool, you guys. Every time you think, gosh, people are the worst, or you paint a group of people with a broad brush, I hope that these favorite things, these simple things that you hear about individuals on the podcast help you pause and remember the complexity and the nuance and the beauty of each individual. 
I know they help me on days where I'm just like, ugh, humanity's the worst. All I want to do is hang out with my bearded dragon. But I remember that there's so much goodness in people and so many cool things about individuals if you just take the time to get close enough and to listen. So if you love the podcast, you can find me on Facebook at Taking the Middle Seat and on Instagram at Andrea Beck Lunsko, no hyphen. I even manage an Instagram story from time to time. I'm a real Instagram story newbie. Um, and I'm not one of those like aesthetically cohesive Instagrammers that have like a beautiful page. Nope. I'm just trying to post a couple things, just trying to figure it out. Um, recently posted a very interesting post about how my kids and I let our returnable cans stack up for approximately 1,000 months and returned $88 worth a couple days ago. So it's those exciting things that you can find out about if you follow me on the socials. So go forth, tell your people how to find the podcast and show them how to listen. Remember, they don't know. So you got to show them step by step. You got to walk them through it. I hope you enjoyed the show and you learned some things and I will be back soon with another episode of Taking the Middle Seat. <laughs>